Day 2 of Totus Tosis Novena to Our Lady of Lourdes With quotes from Blessed John Paul II's Apostolic Letter Salvifici Dolores On the Salvific Meaning of Suffering Even though in its subjective dimension as a personal fact buried in the depth of concrete, unique man. Suffering seems almost inexpressible and incommunicable. At the same time, perhaps nothing else requires as much in its objective reality as does suffering. To be dealt with, meditated upon, and conceived as an explicit problem, and then around it, basic questions be asked and answers sought. As you can see, this is not just here to give a description of suffering. There are other criteria which go beyond the sphere of description and which we must introduce when we want to penetrate the world of human suffering. It may be that medicine, as the science and the art of healing together, discovers in the vast terrain of the suffering of man, the best-known area, the one identified with greater precision and relatively more counterbalanced by methods of reaction, that is, therapy. However, this is only one area. The terrain of human suffering is much wider, more varied and multidimensional. Man suffers in different ways, not always considered by medicine, not even in its most advanced specializations. Suffering is something even more extensive than sickness more complex, and at the same time still more deeply rooted in humanity itself. A certain idea of this problem comes from the distinction between physical suffering and moral suffering. This distinction is based upon the double dimension of the human being, and indicates the bodily and spiritual element as the immediate or direct subject of suffering. Although to some degree the words suffering and pain can be used as synonyms. Physical suffering is present when the body is hurting in some way, whereas moral suffering is pain of the soul. It is in fact a question of pain of a spiritual nature, and not only of the psychological dimension of pain, which accompanies both moral and physical suffering. The vastness and the many forms of moral suffering are certainly no less in number than those of physical suffering. Moral suffering seems less identified and less reachable by therapy. Sacred Scripture is a great book about suffering. Let us quote some examples from the books of the Old Testament of situations which bear the signs of suffering and above all moral suffering. The danger of death, the death of one's own children, and especially the death of the firstborn and only son. And then too, the lack of offspring, nostalgia for the homeland, persecution and hostility of the environment, ridicule and scorn of the sufferer, loneliness and abandonment, and again, 
the remorse of conscience, the difficulty of understanding why the wicked prosper and the just suffer, the unfaithfulness and ingratitude of friends and neighbours, and finally, the misfortunes of one's own nation. The Old Testament, treating man as a psychological and physical whole, often links moral sufferings with the pain of specific parts of the body, the bones, kidneys, liver, viscera, heart. In fact, one cannot deny that moral sufferings have a physical or somatic element and that they are often reflected in the state of the entire organism. As we see from the examples quoted, in sacred scripture we find an extensive list of variously painful situations for man. This varied list certainly does not exhaust all that has been said and constantly repeated on the theme of suffering by the book of the history of man. This is rather an unwritten book, and even more by the book of the history of humanity, read through the story of every man. It can be said that man suffers whenever he experiences any kind of evil. In the vocabulary of the Old Testament, suffering and evil are identified with each other. In fact, that vocabulary did not have a specific word to indicate suffering. Therefore, it defined as evil everything that was suffering. Only the Greek language, and together with it the New Testament, and the Greek translations of the Old Testament, use the verb pasco, I am affected by, I experience a feeling, I suffer. And thanks to this verb, suffering is no longer directly identifiable with objective evil, but expresses a situation in which man experiences evil, and in doing so becomes the subject of suffering. Suffering has indeed both a subjective and a passive character, from patio. Even when man brings suffering on himself, when he is its cause, this suffering remains something passive in its metaphysical essence. This, however, does not mean that suffering in the psychological sense is not marked by specific activity. This is, in fact, that multiple and subjectively differentiated activity of pain, sadness, disappointment, discouragement, or even despair, depending on the whole structure of the individual sufferer and his or her specific sensitivity. At the centre of what constitutes the psychological form of suffering, there is always an experience of evil, which causes man to suffer. Thus the reality of suffering prompts the question about the essence of evil. What is evil? This question, in a certain sense, seems inseparable from the theme of suffering. The Christian response to it is different from that given by certain cultural and religious traditions, which hold that existence is an evil from which we must be liberated. Christianity proclaims the essential good of existence, and the good of that which exists acknowledges the goodness of the Creator, and proclaims the good of creatures. 
man suffers because of evil, which is a certain lack, limitation or distortion of good. We could say that man suffers because of a good in which he does not participate, from which in a certain sense he is cut off, or of which he has deprived himself. He particularly suffers when he ought, in the normal order of things, to partake in this good, and does not. Thus, in the Christian view, the reality of suffering is explained through evil, which always, in some way, refers to a good. Human suffering constitutes in itself, as it were, a specific world which exists together with man, which appears in him and passes, and sometimes does not pass, but which consolidates itself and becomes deeply rooted in him. This world of suffering, divided into many numerous subjects, exists, as it were, in dispersion. Every man, through his personal suffering, constitutes not only a small part of that world, but at the same time, that world is present in him as a finite and unrepeatable entity. Parallel with this, however, is the interhuman and social dimension. The world of suffering possesses, as it were, its own solidarity. People who suffer become similar to one another through the analogy of their situation, the trial of their destiny, or through their need for understanding and care. And perhaps above all, through the persistent question of the meaning of suffering. Thus, although the world of suffering exists in dispersion, at the same time it contains within itself a singular challenge to communion and solidarity. We shall also try to follow this appeal in the present reflection. Thinking about the world of suffering in its personal and at the same time collective meaning, one cannot fail to notice the fact that such a world, in some periods of time, and in some eras of human existence, as it were, becomes particularly concentrated. This happens, for example, in cases of natural disasters, epidemics, catastrophes, upheavals and various social scourges. One thinks, for example, of a bad harvest, and connected with it, or with various other causes, the scourge of famine. One thinks, finally, of war. I speak of it in a special way. I speak of the last two world wars, the second of which brought with it a much greater harvest of death and a much heavier burden of human sufferings. In its turn, the second half of our century brings with it, as though in proportion to the mistakes and transgressions of our contemporary civilization, such a horrible threat of nuclear war that we cannot think of this period except in terms of an incomparable accumulation of sufferings, even to the possible self-destruction of humanity. In this way, that world of suffering which in brief has its subject in each man seems in our age to be transformed, perhaps more than at any other time, into a particular suffering of the world, of a world transformed as never before, 
by progress through man's work, and at the same time in danger as never before because of man's mistakes and offences. Let us pray. Hail Mary, poor and humble woman, blessed by the Most High, Virgin of Hope, prophecy of the new times, we join in your song of praise to celebrate the mercies of the Lord, to proclaim the coming of the kingdom and the full liberation of humanity. Hail Mary, humble servant of the Lord, glorious mother of Christ, faithful virgin, holy dwelling of the word, Teach us to persevere in listening to the word, to be docile to the voice of the Spirit, attentive to his appeals in the intimacy of our conscience, and to his manifestations in the events of history. Hail Mary, woman of sorrow, mother of the living, virgin spouse beneath the cross, the new Eve, be our guide along the paths of the world. Teach us to live and spread the love of Christ, to stand with you beneath the innumerable crosses on which your Son is still crucified. Hail Mary, woman of faith, first of the disciples, virgin mother of the church. Help us always to give an account for the hope which is in us, trusting in the goodness of man and the love of the Father. Teach us to build the world from within, in the depths of silence and prayer. In the joy of fraternal love, in the irreplaceable fruitfulness of the cross. Holy Mary, Mother of Believers, Our Lady of Lourdes, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.